Thank you for joining us. I got the guitar virtuoso, uh, the Canadian guitar virtuoso, uh, Jesse Cook. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you for meeting me for coffee. How do you take your <laughs> coffee? I, I guess we're going to have the first demonstration of how Jesse Cook uh, does his coffee live right here on this uh, yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I take it very seriously. When I heard that I'm going to meet you for coffee, I thought, okay, I better, I better you know, bring my A game. And I, I, have, I have a confession to make, which is, I am a longtime coffee geek, you know, some, some people, they, like, you know, you get into something and like, there's a tipping point, you know, like at first I had like the stovetop thing. And then, and then I thought, what if I get a home espresso machine and I got a little one and then that eventually like, this isn't good enough. And I got a bigger one. And eventually it just was like step-by-step. Step. And now I have uh, the La Marzocco. If you ever go into like one of those fancy cafes, La Marzocco is the machine you'll see. Maybe you'll see you'll see this brand. I don't know if you can see. It's the uh, it's my baby. It's uh, what my children call the uh, the third child in the family. So anyway, yeah. So I'm gonna make a copy. Are, are you up for it? I don't know. If you can't drink it virtually, but I'm ready. But if you do see in the future us drinking coffee together, uh, don't get jealous. Yeah, no. I, so you've got your own brand coming out. You've got your own kind of beans and. Oh, that doesn't. Can you hear me over the grinding? I'm grinding right now. Is that all oh, right? there you go. Uh, I can I can hear it now. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> tell us what kind of beans you're grinding in there. All right. So these ones are, uh, this is like a classic dark roast. It's kind of an Italian, you know, a bit of chocolatey. It's, uh, they're called the Forte uh, beans. And I'll get them out of Saccharini in Toronto. Uh, and now that I've said that to you, I hope they'll give me a special deal next time I go there. So that now, so the first thing I do is then I get the the distributor, which is like when you really get wanky about this stuff, and you kind of make it more evenly distributed. I don't know if you can see that. I can see and it. Then, then you get the tamper. You're supposed to put like 15 pounds of pressure on your coffee, and then you pop that into the into the. Uh... All right, here we go. So then I got the steaming, and this is the hardest part right here, especially with the headphones on. So I'll try my best. I'll try not to screw it up. Here we go. Now, half of the steaming is listening for that whistle. You're supposed to get the milk to 160 degrees, which is uh, kind of about the temperature where you start going, ow, that's hot. All right, so you got, I, got the, uh, I got the coffee here. I got the milk there. And now I'll try my best. Here we go. You ready for this? Let's see if I screw it up. I've never done this live before. It's the first time of everything. Wow. Incredible. -da. Incredible. There we you go. Are, you are multi-talented. <laughs> That's what things to do during a pandemic, right? Your coffee game. That's what I did the last two years. Well, Cheers. Uh, now, where's your coffee? My coffee, for coffee is a funny story. I was drinking it. I had it up on this table, and I dropped it right, right in this room. So it's like oh shattered God. all over the floor right now. Um, oh, no. Very stressful. <laughs> but, uh, I did enjoy uh, a special roast from the Congo okay. earlier, wow. uh, earlier last hour, and uh, mm -hmm. it was very good, very uh, very bold, a uh, lot of musk in the taste, right? Really oh, cool. wow. Very, yeah. um, you hear they've got all these crazy beans now where they like, they feed the bean to a monkey and then it poops it out and then they take it and roast it. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, that's, and then you, you pay like a million dollars for this sort of monkey poo coffee beans. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My, my, my friend has tried that and he says, Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's called Luwak coffee. Mm -hmm. He said that it was actually very good. 
Really? Um, not that I would actually do it, but he said it was very good. Um, I was going to say, your friend is a lot braver than I am. I, I don't he's know. He's a lot braver than I am. He, he travels all over the world and he does weird things. So um, kudos to him, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So we're here to talk about your music. Uh, the album is called Libra, right? Yeah. And uh, it, honestly, I know you're, you're, you like your Spanish guitar, your flamenco guitar. Um, my, my roots are from the Middle East. And this, oh, really, yeah. this really took me through a ride the middle east from uh yeah. top to bottom yeah, yeah um, for sure you, who, who's the guy who's playing that one instrument what, what, what's it called so um you're probably i'm guessing you're talking about feti najim he's yes, from Alger- yes he's from algeria and he and i started working right. together i guess a couple of years ago uh actually more like three years ago because it was before the pandemic um and he uh he moved to canada recently um he i think he he was from algeria he lived in paris for a while and then he and his wife moved to canada and and you know it's a it's you know it's great thing canada i think we're really lucky to have him because he's so multi-talented he's brilliant violinist he plays mandol which is kind of like the oud um he plays gumbre which is this I, i can't even describe it it's like it's like the original slap bass except it's tiny right and uh he plays drums. Anything he sits down at, he can play really well. And he's just an incredibly musical guy. And, um, and you know, when I started working on the record, I thought, oh, I wonder what, you know, if Fetty might want to do something on this. And he came over. And every, every track I invited him to play on, he just, you know, kept kind of becoming more and more part of the track till eventually it's like, oh, I think I actually have to give him writing credit on this one because, you know, it's just so much of Fetty in the track now that he's not just improvising a solo. It's become kind of part of the of what makes this track kind of magical so so yeah it's great it was incredible to listen to honestly i i think um like i don't think you've done a record like this it's just more uh the ethnicity of you know the guitar uh, you know trying to sway where it's the, the familiar tones right yeah. you have the sound of the middle east you have your yeah. your flavor mixing together just like the coffee and the milk, <laughs> the milk you know it's a uh, it binds yeah. it goes oh, well thank you thank you yeah uh, it was it was really fun I, I think the other thing is um for me the biggest influence uh i mean the biggest sort of change that i hear is the influence of of trap music and 808 beats and things that uh you know i i've always had electronics in the music that i do it's just part of what i do and and for a long time i've you know there's been influences of persian music and north african music and you know, I, I did a record called Nomad where I went to Cairo and worked with a bunch of musicians there. And, you know, it's, it's always been sort of part of what I do. Uh, but somehow this record, um, you know, there was just so much Fetty in it. And then also like, you know, really playing with those 808 beats. I mean, I'm sure, you know, everybody knows what 808s are at this point. I think Kanye is named albums after it. And, uh, but it, for me, it's it's a funny thing because you know, I, I was in high school uh, in the early 80s when the 808 came out and my friends and I were all in my basement making music. And, you know, because we couldn't afford, couldn't afford we, couldn't, we couldn't sort of get a drum player and a drum set and we didn't have microphones to do it. So we just, you know, when these drum machines came out, we're like, this is amazing. We can almost sound like a band. But it always was kind of a fill in for the real thing. I think back then people hadn't really yet started to think of it as like it, you know, the, the sort of the source or the, the foundation of so much music. 
And then year, uh, the, the funny thing is like the next year, the 909, the 808 came out, the next year the 909 came out and replaced the 808. People kind of forgot about it. Like, oh, the 909 is better, you know? Uh, and then the Lindrum and all these machines. And yet as time has gone by, we've kind of forgotten about all those other machines. And, and the 808 has just kind of grown and grown in stature. And, and you hear it in so many different kinds of music and uh, to the point where, you know, my daughter and I were on a, on a, on a camping trip and we're doing a long drive together and she was playing me all this music she liked. And I was like, oh, there's 808s. Oh, there's 808s. Oh, there's 808s. And so, you know, by the time I, I, I sat down to write this record, I was like, let me start with some 808 beats and see where that gets me. Uh, and there, there's something kind of otherworldly about it because they're not, you know, the, the drums, the drum machines that came after the 808s, uh, were actual samples of real drums, but the 808s were just before digital sampling was affordable, and so they're actually synthesized drums. They're not—they're totally kind of made-up synthetic versions of what drums could be like, but they're kind of otherworldly and magical about them. And I, I think that's why they're so popular. So, so when, when we're when we're talking about like influences and stuff like that, um, yeah, everything's very multicultural with you. Like, how do you? Where's the roots start from for that? I mean, like you're an artist who's into Spanish and flamenco guitar. Mm -hmm. How'd you get into this stuff? So, yeah, that's a good question. That's the one I've been trying to answer my whole life. Um, uh, I feel like in terms of my own, like the guitar, the, the, the sort of flamenco guitar and, and my connection to it, I feel like it was like this conspiracy, you know, that I, I was born in Paris where you don't hear a lot of flamenco guitar, but my, my mother, uh, my sister and I moved to Barcelona for about six months when I was two. Again, I don't remember any of this. Uh, and my mom said I used to have this little Spanish guitar and I'd walk around the apartment singing one Panamera. And, and uh, again, I don't remember it. Um, then we moved to Canada and my mom had these Manitas de Platas records in her record collection. And I remember loving playing those. And finally, when I was about six, she found a teacher who would teach me because back then, people didn't want to teach little kids you know they were like ah wait till he's 13 you know but uh she found a teacher and um and i my, my first guitar teacher happened to be a flamenco guitar teacher and he and he taught me like some of the first pieces i learned were flamenco pieces and so you know the rischiato all these sort of basic flamenco techniques were the the kind of foundational things that i learned as a little kid but i you know i was also into the beatles and then as I got better um, at this sort of guitar academy, they started getting me to learn classical guitar repertoire, which I didn't really like as much. Um, but then when my when I was about 14, my dad, who continued to live in Europe, he retired to the south of France and he happened to buy a house in, in the gypsy burial. Uh, and, and that's where all the sort of gypsies in Arles lived at the end of our street. There was one of those encampments, you know, with like Winnebago's and fire and clothes strung between the Winnebago's and guys out there playing guitar every night. And uh, and some of them had even sort of bought houses in the neighborhood. And his neighbor was a guy named Nicholas Reyes, who happened to be the lead singer of this sort of fledgling new group called the Gypsy Kings, which hadn't taken the world by storm yet. I've seen those uh, guys too. Yeah, that was, you know, famous for Bumbaleo and you know, all those guitar and you know it's kind of got that intense rumba flamenco sound it is it's kind of a unique sound because it's you know we when we think of flamenco we think of flamenco from spain 
Whereas the, the flamenco that comes from the south of France is a bit kind of unique. And sometimes the Spanish guitarists will kind of look down their nose at it, but it's, it's very visceral. Like they really beat the crap out of their guitars. You know, they treat the guitar like a percussion instrument. And that's the guitar I love, right? When I was there as a kid, I just totally got hooked on that. Uh, and then, you know, here I am now uh, after a long career of doing this for a living. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, well, that's, that's how I got here. But you know what's interesting? People often say, you know, but what about the other world music influences? Is that because of all your travels? You know, because when you're a musician, you're constantly going to different countries. And my, my answer to that is always no. In fact, it's if you grow up in Canada, though you grow up with the whole world, you know, like when I was, uh, you know, apart from learning guitar, flamenco uh, guitar, I also, you know, I went to York University where everybody in the music department was studying South Indian drumming, Vardangam, uh, with Trichy Shankaran. And, and then one summer I studied North Tab, Pandit uh, Sahai, and uh, one year a friend of mine who was a Ghanaian master drummer said, I want to start a drumming ensemble. Would you join us? And I, you know, I was trying to find people who'd be interested in learning all these beautiful West African rhythms. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Or uh, later on, I, I joined a Brazilian percussion ensemble named Samba Squad. And, you know, if you, all of those things really were only kind of part of my world because I lived in Canada, because I grew up in this incredible place where the whole world is here. And, and not just a little bit of the whole world, you know, a critical mass of people from every community, enough that you have whole percussion schools and, you know, these sort of art forms in their full flower. You need a lot of people to kind of produce that kind of a talent pool. And, and in Canada, we, we have it. So it's a fantastic place, I think, for that. The melting pot, that's what we call it, where everyone is multicultural and uh, you don't have to walk far in Toronto or, you know, wherever you are to find culture or different types of food or um, even attend different festivals. We're such an open society here where everyone can have the freedom to have a background and and, and, and love who they are. And it's uh, pretty cool, Jesse. I, I want to ask you, uh, the holidays are almost here, um, mm -hmm. the Christmas holidays. Uh, do you have any traditions? Uh, well, I kind of, we do a bit of a secular Christmas around here. I have to say, um, my, uh, oh, hang on. The light suddenly came on for no apparent reason. There we go. I'll turn that off. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we, we get a, I'm in the kitchen, but you know, I'm looking onto the dining room and we line up, uh, a whole bunch of kind of tables that are actually like a door that I put legs on. Because I need to be long enough to run the length of the house, and all the different parts of the family come over, and and uh, we, you know, have a big feast, and we sing Christmas carols forever. It drives my wife crazy because she, you know, she didn't grow up with it, so she she's good for about twenty minutes, and then she's like, oh my god, you know, they're still going two hours later. So yeah, we uh, we we love the singing part. That's what we do. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Jesse. It's been an honor to uh, speak with you finally. His new album, Libra, is out now. You'll be embarking on the, the Tempest number two tour. Yeah, uh, that's In right. the 2022, the beginning of 2022, January. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe your first date is Spokane, uh, Washington at the yep. visit Bing, Bing Crosby. <laughs> wow, you know more than I do. But yeah. yeah, we're heading down to California. That's the best part. California in January is an excellent idea, I think. But then actually, I think from there, we will be going across Canada. We'll be coming back through uh, this part of Canada 
um, later, like I think March, April, May, people should check the website, you know, and the internet knows more than I do. Uh, and then hopefully in the fall, we'll be, we'll be getting over to Europe. That's the plan. Oh, and the Montreal Jazz Festival in June. That's, that's a big plan. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jesse. Uh, remember, you can check out Jesse at his website. Is it jessecook.com? Is that that's, what it is? That's me. Yes. And yep. you can check out all his dates there. I believe you have a store there as well. Um, I think so. Yes. I'm you not can, part you of can, any of that, but yes, I think that's You can true. buy merchandise and, yeah. of course, uh, listen to his new record uh, wherever you get your music. And, of course, uh, on top of that, plus buy the album if you can. Thank you. Appreciate that. Nice talking with you, George. You too.